Hello and welcome to another episode of Monster Dear Monster, a monster exploration podcast where we take a look at monsters from their folkloric origins to their current pop culture incarnations. I'm your host, Dave, and I am joined today by Adam and Leonard. Adam, how are you doing? Hello. It's been a week. That it has. It's a succession of weeks. It's been years, years of (laughs) stuff. Uh, Most of it's not great, but um, sometimes it is. So we just try to do the best we can. Um, Leonard, how about you? Uh, I'm okay. It's been a long week for me, too. I'm exceptionally tired, but, uh, you know, I don't really have complaint, any complaints. I've got two cats that love me, spend a lot of time with them, basically all day, so, uh, really, could be worse. It, it could be worse. You could be stuck on a train that never ends. Without kitties. <laughs> if you will. Where the only cat is constantly trying to trap your mind in uh, nightmare hallucinations. Yeah, and has like the sickest ride of super transportation ball. And a sharp vest. And a good looking vest. Nazzy dressing cat. The cat. Um, as we were told to refer to the cat as. Uh, yeah, so we're back um, finishing up season one of Infinity Train. And yeah, this was a ride. I don't think I expected. Well, but before watching the beginning of the season uh, that this was just going to really dig into like an emotional well um, for the characters and for the viewer, you know, just vicariously. Um, the beginning of the season started off real strong and it finishes, I think, just as strong. Uh, so we'll kind of dig into the, the final few episodes, um, and wrap it up. Uh, so episode six is the unfinished car, AKA like turtle land. Yeah. College turtle, weird gravity car. Yeah. And I'm still I'm still not sold on the cold opens, but this was the the sauna card that they stepped out of. I think. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, as we're going to see as we go on, like they really were using the cold opens and like the fun jokes, so that when they don't do a cold open, it lands harder. So. Yeah, and it's I think. In in this particular case, the sauna car is in, and there's obviously been cars in between the sauna car and then the last uh, yeah. cat car. But for the characters and for the viewer, it's a nice change of like, well, they needed to relax after all the stuff that just went down, and yeah. they they did get a little reprieve. Um, and it's great just seeing 
the interplay between the characters and who doesn't love like way too fluffed up Corgi. <laughs> yeah, pretty cute. Pretty good. Uh, but yeah, so this episode ends with Tulip um, kind of doing uh, for, the, for the next couple episodes after dealing with the cat. Uh, she's decided to put a glove on her hand and kind of not worry about her number for the immediate future. So she is kind of trying hard to ignore it uh, while stepping forward into the next car, which is uh, a real weird one. This is unlike other cars, which have been like deliberately strange. Um, You know, the first impression, which is then verified through the text of the episode is that this one is weird in a different way. This one is broken. It is incomplete. Yeah, and and visually, it's like a Dali painting. It's great stuff's just missing pieces, but in a kind of a that sounds weird an artsy way. <laughs> it's it's very well rendered um, in the way that it's not whole. And I I'm just I think I'm just a sucker for weird stuff floating in the background, like bits of masonry and the land is just kind of missing parts of it the sky is weird it's uh it's a fun look yeah and in, I, in, I in like... the notes i compare the uh kind of some of the backgrounds to like uh at the end of dark souls 3 when you see the the drag keep out in the distance and you just see like all the buildings like collapsing and twisting on top of each other in like bizarre ways uh i think it's a cool it's a cool image yeah it's good and it's another thing where it's just really showcasing the sense of space uh, in these cars. And we know that they're like weird hollow deck kind of situations where stuff's there's machinery behind like what you're looking at, but mm-hmm. I, I, there's never really like a delineated, delineated like, Oh, if you went into the horizon, that's actually a wall. Like you don't really get, worry about that it just yes it just looks like it's infinite like a big rolling plains or in this case super messed up college town with yeah. little turtle guys yeah there's a, by turtles there's a real sense of impossible space in the cars since even though we constantly see at least earlier in the series we see outside of the cars pretty frequently and the cars are fairly big but still the amount of space within them is significantly larger than than the the exterior would imply uh even uh with the the weird holographic technology going on uh inside of them so it's 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 real interesting in that way and also it with the design of this particularly unfinished car um i got uh Escher especially with uh when the absolutely uh gravity started uh getting wonky depending on what surface uh because we see uh floors on on walls and but the gravity is still uh, appropriate to what that surface is supposed to be so that's a a fun little thing with this car and this episode in general yeah so yeah, i like uh, that they play with that um as far as like kind of showing that it it's a thing 
Tulip directly interacts with it and then uses that to her advantage later on in the in the episode. Go ahead, Adam. Uh, yeah, no, I was just going to kind of launch into more of the recap, but uh, yeah, I, I love what they do with gravity. So yeah, they uh, enter the car and pretty quickly they are greeted by the turtle royalty. Uh, Aloysius, which is uh, a very old turtle wearing a crown. Uh, Atticus, of course, being a corgi wearing a crown, immediately hits it off with him, and they go off to, you know, just basically talk kingdom stuff. Uh, But as this is happening, 1-1, something's clearly off with him. Like, he is reacting in a way that we haven't seen. Uh, Obviously disturbed by the offness of this place. Uh, and one, one starts going around trying to correct things, trying to put things back in their place. Uh, you know, there's like a, a exchange of dialogue where Tulip is like, Oh, come on. We already rode on a French toast boat down a maple syrup river. This isn't even like the top 10 weirdest things we've seen. And he's like, yeah, but those were supposed to be, this isn't supposed to be like this. Yeah, and I, I love that uh, one one is trying to fix things, but doesn't have like the ambulatory skill to do so, and is sort of just nudging things, or or he's blitz into his component pieces and trying to use the other half of him to like combine stuff. So it's it's fun to watch, but not fun to like realize he's like disturbed at this point by this like it's to such a degree yeah and we and we continue to see like the offness in one one's character uh throughout this episode yeah they, um, they have a good time um playing with his voices and how that kind of modulates weirdly yeah uh, normally having two distinct personalities, they get kind of in sync and uh, robotic yeah, in a way weird. that's like uh, uncanny. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not pleasant to listen to. It's like, oh, that's a neat trick, but I don't like it. How would you stop doing that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the turtle citizens who are around the car, you know, Tulip, uh, is waiting for Atticus to finish having his kingly meetings. One, one is running around kind of doing errands, uh, and Tulip is just, you know, kind of meeting some of the denizens and the turtles are just like, they're fine. (laughs) Like they've just adapted to their weird environment. They like it. They're comfortable here. Yeah. It's, it's so fun, uh, that as they're doing a little, the um, Aloysius is giving them the tour of the kingdom and showcasing the very, the obviously very busted bits that they've just repurposed kind of into their own life or, you know, they've built their life around it. So there's like yeah. the, the never ending void hole in the ground. And it's like, I that's that our mail hole. delivery <laughs> system. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And that the letters, it it's not even about the letters uh reaching their recipients it's literally that everyone just gets a letter so no one feels left out yeah yeah they it's very charming the turtle people are great they're just so happy to go about their daily lives and yeah 
And there's a couple like recurring characters who you keep bumping into throughout the episode. I want to give a special shout out to like the business turtle with the, carrying the severed corded telephone. Yes. Who's just constantly like passive aggressively talking about whatever's happening to a theoretical person on the other end of the line. Yeah, it's it's all very good. Um, and then we have a lot. So Tulip is dealing with this. I mean, technically, they just got out of a long break car in the spa car. So she's yeah. ready to move on. She's like, we need to go. We got stuff to do now. Um, and this long break is it's it's getting on a kind of on her nerves a little bit. Um, but she's talking more the one one because she sees he's doing something a little weird, weirder than he normally is. And um, so she decides to, oh, I mean, that makes sense. If this actually is broken, I can, yeah, we can clean it up a little bit. It does look like a little bit of a mess. So she, like, starts to try to mop up the um, the, the jam. The traffic, the traffic jam. The traffic jam. There's just purple jam or grape jelly or whatever spread over the intersection. And the turtles use it to go fast, like the slide on it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's It's really good. But she's like mopping it up, even though it was clearly explained to her like what they use it for. She just forgot or wasn't paying attention. Um, so she's just cleaning it and then uh, going off on old memories of like her teacher. You know, it's like, oh, if Miss McCready could see me now, I'm clearly you know, <laughs> doing. I'm good at doing the thing. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's just little fun stuff like that, and then you get bits where there's um there's like walls like the, the the fourth wall of houses is missing and they're just oh that's just how your walls have or your buildings have all the walls closed in how would you dry your clothes and things and, so, and get a breeze yeah yeah you can't carry a, a laundry line from you know your living room television to to the outside post if you if you have a wall there that's inconvenient but yeah. Uh, but yeah, as uh, as Tulip is cleaning up that uh, traffic jam, she stumbles on another one of the orbs, uh, kind of reinforcing what we had learned previously, which is that there is a correlation between like these orbs, which are a plug into like these sockets of the train car and then the corresponding reality around them. Yeah, they, they generate some object or some facet of uh, the, the cars. So parts of the scenery or citizens, I mean, just random, whatever is populating the different rooms, those orbs create it. Mm -hmm. So in this case, the orbs are in a bit of a disarray or some are missing. Um, and that's what's causing the the world in this room or this car to look like it is. And uh, one one starts jacking with the orbs. Uh, yeah, we, we see that things are really starting to go off the rails. There's like a storm kicking up and, you know, geometry is floating more than normal. The world seems to be kind of ripping itself apart. And uh, the Turtle King directs their attention to one one who is up on this high floating piece of uh, college campus, uh, removing orbs and seemingly destabilizing the entirety of the I don't know, uh, reality, the simulation 
whatever this car is, but like the, patches the matrix of, is collapsing. Yeah, and, and we start seeing like holes forming in the sky, uh, see, watching through to that like post-apocalyptic orange sky in the background. And then the business turtle is like, "Oh yeah, no, I'm getting sucked up into a vortex." Okay, well, <laughs> trying to get my reports done. It's it was really good when um he interrupts her or tulip when she's cleaning the jam and she's like no we found <laughs> we found the culprit of the jam thing don't we know what happened but we don't know why she's <laughs> doing it it's just it's the best because he's he's refusing to like talk to anyone directly he's just talking to his boss or whatever on the phone but there's yeah. no there's no one plugged into the phone. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's very cute. That's a good. I want to do that to somebody. <laughs> just like have your phone is not actually calling anybody, but you're just passive aggressively. That's a good like one off tabletop character. Yeah, you could do it one time. Like it's not you don't want that to be a recurring. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, one one is messing with the orbs, and uh, the reality is destabilizing. And so, uh, Tulip goes to to stop him, uh, and does what I have written down as some Mario Galaxy platforming. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, it's a fun little action sequence where she's jumping from one piece of rubble to another, and she misses one and seemingly starts to to fall. But the local gravity of the the little asteroid kind of loops her back around and slingshots her to where she needs to be. Yeah. She was doing some pretty, she had some pretty sweet moves. She was like flipping yeah. and landing on other ones. It's like, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Good on you. You've learned some skills from this months of <laughs> trekking through somewhat dangerous areas. Mm-hmm. I do. I do have to say that I, uh, because it's it, uh, all the episodes are broken up with an indeterminate amount of time between like the, you know, the framing, leaving a car, going to a car. I, I constantly forget like, oh yeah, this was, this has been more than like a couple of days. This has been a thing that's probably been ongoing for months. So when, when she d displays this, like, amount of athleticism i'm like that seemingly came out of nowhere and then i have to remind myself oh wait she's probably been doing this for months this is this is not a thing that just came out of nowhere it's just that we never actually kind of saw this growth happen on screen so you just have to take it as face value yeah you can assume that there have been a lot of other adventures in the background it's not quite a Groundhog's Day situation where it's like, how many, you know, how many years has she been here? I don't think she's been here that long. Right. But uh, but it's still an indeterminate amount of time. Yeah, I do want to like, I almost want to look back at the first couple episodes, see if they did anything with her hair, like if her hair got any longer or something. I don't oh, think they did, I don't but that, think would be, they did. that would be a fun little detail. Yeah. Um. I, I will say that they play with that in later seasons, but uh, not not here. Okay, I mean, I can imagine. And stuff happens a little bit later that we'll discuss that is like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do see characters age 
like time does not stop on the train. I'll I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so she uh, does some platforming and makes her way up to to one one who is distressed uh, and is now speaking in that single ominous, you know, uh, kind of two tone harmonious voice, uh, obviously distressed, saying that it's their responsibility to to correct this because it's all my fault, you know. And Tulip interprets this as, you know, taking unnecessary culpability and says, like, look, sometimes things are just crazy. Sometimes things are out of your control. It's not your fault. There are lots of things that aren't anyone's fault. They just happen, and you have to, you know, roll with the punches. Um, Kind of, you know, her not knowing the larger context. There's some truth to what one one is saying. Yeah, and so this speech that she gives is like it's very impassioned. It's from experience. It's from her heart. It's from her learning and growing and like understanding herself a little bit more. Um, it's not, I think, the right speech <laughs> in this particular instance, but it's a well meant and still mostly applicable. It's enough. Uh, I mean, there's the, not the part something speech- else she could have done. The part of the speech that works for me is her saying, like, yeah, things are wrong, but, like, look, there are people who live here, and they've adapted to this place, and you are causing real harm. Yeah, that that ending, and, you know, she has to get him to see that, because he's caught in the loop of, like, this is broken, and I have to fix it regardless of, like, the consequences, because it's it's causing a problem. Mm Mm-hmm. Instead of like fixing a problem, yeah. So uh, she's able to to you know talk him down. One one puts the orbs back, and uh, there's there's a brief scene where Atticus pledges corgis will help to uh, repair the damage that has been caused. It, it, yeah, it's real cute. He's like, yeah, they're they're. I don't remember. He's like, they're better at something. It's like, yeah. A specific building or some something that they do. Like, oh, it was like this. it was like doorbell, like <laughs> yeah, discovering like the doorbell problem or something. Yeah, it was something akin to like dogs barking when a doorbell is yeah. rung. It's yeah, it's a real, very smart, very cute joke about dogs overreacting to doorbells. <laughs> It's good stuff. He's he's always. It's he's like always yeah, good. our doorbell response team or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. Like they're on point. Like they never fail to respond to the doorbells. Yeah. Uh, and so the the last bit of the episode is them going to leave the car, uh, walking past kind of a a significant looking keyhole kind of in the wall. Uh, but as they do, one one seemingly reboots, returning to their usual carefree selves. Yeah, uh, at the expense of like not remembering what was going on in the room. Yep. Uh, bringing us to the next episode, episode seven, the Chrome Car, uh, which I I think might be my favorite episode of the season. I think this one's real cool. I love the aesthetic of it. It's mm-hmm. that sweet. Like Asia, the band, 
<laughs> album covers. Um, okay, I didn't know where you were going with that. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's why I had to add a qualifier on there, or like Psygnosis, or just late '80s box art for computer games. It it yeah. reminds me of um, I used to frequent uh, those like world conscious gift shops where I could buy tumbled gemstones. Mm. And they'd always have. <laughs> um, you know, as a kid, because I was into like weird, I was into weird esoteric stuff. He said, as if that's not <laughs> still the case. Um, but they'd always have like, a, what is it, like realms of the mind? Like it was a VHS of like the earliest of like late 80s, early 90s CG paired to like, you know, smooth jazz and it'd be just nonsense like mm-hmm, it, it mm-hmm. looked like the lawnmower man it looked like yeah. all the cg from the lawnmower man mm-hmm. but it was supposed to be super relaxing and that's what it it reminds me of it also kind of reminds me of a like boy focused uh trapper keeper <laughs> from the cover yeah. from sure. the, from the 90s it was like oh man this is all chrome look at this chrome pyramid and this like slightly rainbow reflective ball floating over the horizon i'm like yep i i'm very familiar with this aesthetic i saw it all throughout my childhood yeah it's a cool looking car so uh yeah uh they're leaving the episode opens with the cold open where they're leaving like a jelly bean car uh and atticus has some jelly beans stuck in his fur so she pulls out uh, this little Swiss Army knife and kind of flips through some of the attachments, significantly a mirror being one of them, uh, and trims that out before entering into the next car, which is this uh, cool psychedelic mirror room. Uh, every surface being varying types of chrome. And uh, yeah, as they're going on, Atticus is not handling his reflection well. No, uh, more, no, more cute just like dog shenanigans. Yeah. Oh, and he's trying to like not do that, but can't not. Yeah. Trying trying to keep it cool, but there's another dog wearing the crown of Cordelia. Yeah. Who you where did you get my crown? <laughs> How did you get that? Uh yeah, so it seems pretty straightforward. They head to the other side of the car. The door is there, uh, but the door seems to be locked. So it seems like it's another puzzle room. Uh, and that's when she notices that her reflection below her uh is not moving. You know, this chrome floor. Uh the reflection is kind of staring at her awkwardly. And she gets freaked out, and then a few seconds later it starts talking to her. Uh and basically gives her the solution to the puzzle. The reflection is the one who needs to open the door, not the, the prime person. Uh, and so Mirror tula, Tulip, uh, so we're going to refer to Mirror Tulip or and Tulip Prime as our, our distinguishing uh, characters here. Uh, Mirror Tulip says that they need to switch places by kind of stepping on the other's foot and doing a little switcheroo. The logistics don't really matter. They can switch places. Um, So they do that. And then Mirror Tulip is now in the Prime world. Uh, And Mirror Tulip, while in the Prime world, is also uh, completely chrome. Yeah, it's a really... I like that switch because it... 
it rotates the screen. Yep. And like yeah. flips it around uh, and then like right sides it back up. It's really hard to describe. It's just fun to watch. The the way that they communicate, like traveling between these two parallel worlds, like I think is really successful. Yeah, the later parts like weird and gross. <laughs> yeah, feeling <laughs> don't with that. Like it. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I do, of course. But uh, yeah. your uh, mileage may vary. Uh, so yeah, uh, as they do that, you know, uh, mirror, uh, Tulip Prime in the mirror world opens the door successfully. No problem. And then they're like, great, let's switch back. And then Mirror Tulip says, oh, I have no intention of switching back. Like, I've been trapped in a mirror my whole life. Like, I've been your reflection this whole time. I'm going to go out and live. I'm going to, I'm a separate individual. And I deserve my own existence. I want to touch, think, taste something. What? What smells good? And then one one gives all the things that one one thing smells good, which is like petroleum based <laughs> oils yep. and things, <laughs> asphalt, yeah, gasoline, Pet- yeah, petrol, <laughs> gasoline, anything petroleum based, yeah. Uh, to which she's just like, yeah, sure, I'm on board. <laughs> anything is better than nothing. Nothing, yeah. Um. So yeah. Uh. She tries to to escape to to be her own person, and as this is happening, uh, Tulip Prime is in the mirror dimension and is talking with the other reflections, the reflections of One One and the reflection of Atticus, and they are also their own separate individuals. Uh, and at that point, uh, they call the Fuzz. So the the mirror police show up, uh, kind of put them in blankets, escort those two away. Uh, but then they realize that there is a problem. Mirror Tulip doesn't want to come back. Mirror Tulip doesn't want to play by the rules. And so they call this pair of uh, special agents who they refer to as the Flex. And they're like <laughs> hard-boiled detective. And- yes. Uh, new newbie agent guy. <laughs> it's like just fun tropes. Yeah, yeah, because they're they they are like from a completely different show. Their their personalities do not align with what the series has been so far. They are really it's they're it, really hard, really gruff archetypes of of the characters that they are. Um, and I actually kind of like the disparity of introducing like, oh yeah, okay, so there are facets of of, of individuals, of, of beings that exist in these cars that live lives that aren't like weird sunshine, rainbows and lollipop like existences that we've seen so far. No, these guys need that that neon sky and chrome rain and <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so so these guys are a couple of men in black agents uh and they make it pretty clear that they mean business like pretty quickly uh and so they they kidnap mirror to uh tulip prime throw her in the back of this like swat van uh and then basically say that you know if she's not will- if Mirror Tulip is not willing to comply if she's not willing to fulfill her her purpose 
they're just going to kill her. They're going to, you know, get the grinder and grind yeah. her down to nothing. Which is pretty metal. Well, and, and the grinder is like a, a tonfa. It's yes. a it's a tonfa belt sander. Yeah. It's like what? Oh. But they have to suit up. They have to suit up and use the buddy system <laughs> to go to the other the the prime world. Yeah, and like really horrifying like flesh masks. Yeah, it's bad. Or great. I mean, I guess it's it, it's cool, but it's real off putting. Yeah, it's it's uncanny. Because no, it have, seems like, like they're like they're kind of liquid. They're like you know T one thousands, except they don't have control over their liquid bodies, so they need this this suit to kind of keep their goop in. Yeah, it's like they need a people suit to go to people land, and they're just um, they're like liquid spheres. Their head is just a sphere. Yeah, they reminded Which... me of the bounty hunters um, from Critters Two. Yeah. Oh, the space bounty hunters. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing that was weird to me was, oh, the the their appearance when you first see them, it, they look completely different. Like they're also wearing masks when they first arrive on the scene because they take they disengage that, and you realize that they've got the weird like completely chrome sphere heads, and then they put the masks on. So it's like, so they're like two different like containment states that you have to exist in <laughs> it's i it's it's like they're made out of mercury right yeah and they just need a, a a body to be able to move around in yeah so uh so tulip uh using her little swiss army knife is able to to jack the door and escape from from this kind of swat van and catches up with uh, Mira Tulip as she's about to escape and, you know, kind of begs like, hey, don't don't strand me here. And she's just like, nope, it's Mira Tulip's time. And she opens the door and she goes to step out and she can't. She has to be tethered to a reflection and so is un literally unable to leave uh, despite her best efforts. And uh, you know this this crushes her. This is this is her one chance at freedom, and she's on the threshold of it, and she can't cross it. Yeah, she can grab a jelly bean though. I thought she was going to eat it, <laughs> but she did not. Yeah. So the mirror the mirror dudes have to. Um, that's the worst. They because tulip and mirror tulip our respective like one's a reflection one's the original um they can just swap places if they mirror each other the um the detective or the two agents don't have analogs in like the prime world so they have to force their way through the barrier which is technically below them because they're on the other side of the surface that are in the upside down. Um, and they the way they do that is they put those masks on and then they just smoosh their heads like they headbutt the ground and then try to push through, but it's goopy and it's just horrible. It's like if you uh, had to cross between the worlds 
uh, by doing like the the special effect from uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street where you like push through the the latex so wall. Yeah, you're like video drumming yourself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just... Again, like uncanny and and unsettling. Well, I, it's more like if it was just from their side, it would be fine. But it, I think it flips, and we're seeing like them like bubbling through and their faces like the little mask things getting smushed like it's it's like if you smush yeah. yourself against a balloon so it's, <laughs> it's it's doubly distorting those horrible masks that are like featureless yeah it just, and it's atticus terrible. is like is He's like kind of out attacking really attacking them and like you know uh trying to keep them from coming through which only uh increases like the the distress and weirdness uh <laughs> Because they're so, screaming. They're like, ah. Yeah. So uh, while this is happening, Mirror <laughs> Tulip is, uh, again, kind of devastated. Uh, and they have a little heart to heart where, you know, Mirror Tulip is like, you know, don't you don't get to lecture me. I, I've seen what you do. You know, you don't ask for help when you need it. You're just shut yourself alone in your own tiny world. You close yourself off like I don't I don't need to be lectured by you. Yeah, you you didn't answer your best friend's text messages. You just tell your mom that you're oh you're I didn't hear you, mom. I was busy programming. You're just like yeah. you're ignoring Try. reality and just kind of holding up in yourself. So why would I go to you for help? You don't help yeah. anybody. Uh, and and ultimately she turns it inward and is just like and it doesn't even matter. Like I I still don't even have a name. I'm nothing. Uh, to which Tulip Prime, you know, doesn't like that. You know, she's like, no, like, you're clearly a separate thing than me. You are a sentient thing. Like, I'm going to help you however I can. So uh, the plan is to do another switcheroo, Tulip Prime back in the Prime reality, which they agree to. The Flex are in pursuit once again. And then Tulip Prime takes that little mirror that she had in her Swiss army knife and she puts it to the ground, which allows mirror tulip to have a reflection of her own. And by touching that, she's able to escape and kind of become autonomous. Uh, So she's able to pull her up through the reflection. And now both tulip and mirror tulip are in the prime reality. Uh, And they escape through the door. The, the flex kind of, you know, uh, taking their hat off and stomping on it at the county line. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, except they can't get through. I love that um, Tulip, when she pulls Mirror Tulip through, she's holding her by the ankles, like, in the air. Yeah. It's like, that's... Girl, you're strong. <laughs> uh, it's impressive. canon that Mirror Tulip is very heavy. So... Uh, yeah. So yeah, they they run through and then uh, enter into the next car, and they are they are safe. Uh, the next car is kind of a, a cute bureaucracy car where sentient pencils are doing paperwork. Oh yeah, I d- I just assumed that they were like in a bank, like it was a pencil bank, and <laughs> like yeah. that's what it looked like to me because I think there were like tellers behind like barred like a barred desk and i was like oh i'm i'm really into like what's going on with this weird pencil break bank where some 
people have uh, pencil uh, erasers for heads and others are, uh, you know, the pencil tips for heads. I'm like, this is weird and very cool. Also, uh, Mirror Tulip gets a haircut, uh, courtesy of the Flex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, more. yeah, that that Sandra caught her hair and it, it gave her a, a Kanye from Run Run One Half. Bad <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so uh you know mira tulip is elated she she got what she wanted she gets to be a person she gets to live a life uh and so yeah the two of them part on good terms and uh mira tulip you know convinces tulip that hey you you hide away from things, you ignore things, you try to make them go away. You're doing that with this thing with the glove. You know, take it off, face your number, you'll be okay. Um, and so they part ways, and Tulip takes her glove off and her number, which last we saw was, I don't remember, like high 80s or something. Uh, it drops all the way down to three. And that's kind of the last shot of the episode. Yeah, I like that uh, Tulip, when they're doing their, their, like, departing conversation, she's like, yeah, let's let's go. We're going to get to the end of the train, and we're going to finish the adventure. And then Mirror Tulip's just like, nah, I'm I'm not doing that. That's not my adventure. I'm going to go do something else. Yeah. Uh, so before we go on to the next episode, I've I've played it slightly close to the vest. I don't know if you guys have looked up spoilers for the other seasons, but uh, again, this is an anthology show and each season follows different characters, but they plant those characters in the previous season. And so season two follows mirror tulip and you get a whole season with her adventures. uh, And I think that's a really excellent season. Hmm. So. Yeah, I mean she's a, she's a fun for the ten minutes that we got to see. We, her. Right, we get to know her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it 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 continues to be a story about like trying to find your own identity, trying to you know give your life purpose when you have rejected you know the intended purpose, and then uh, you know continuing to flee these forces that want to force her back into uh a role that she's rejected mm-hmm. so hmm. it's good well well that would help explain why the flex are you know uh, normally the the ancillary characters in these these episodes aren't given as much personality as the flex or let's say mirror tulip so it it does actually kind of make sense to learn that the uh, they are reoccurring in in the next season. Yeah. Uh you get to see you get to see more of those dangle flex. Uh and and they are relentless. But that is for another season. So uh yeah the next episode is episode eight, the ball pit car. Uh a lighthearted and and fun time. Yeah. <laughs> something like that um so th- i did enjoy this cold open mostly because it spends a, a few seconds longer 
uh, doing some establishing bits um, in the previous car before it gets into the title car. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yes, Tulip's probably been eating something uh, because she has to brush her teeth and she has toothbrush and some toothpaste. And yeah, one one so- gets to brush his teeth too. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so this car there inside a uh, seemingly an Excel spreadsheet. And to escape, uh, they declare bankruptcy and they ride a big red arrow as it plunges down through the, the floor of the graph, uh, revealing the way to the exit. Which it's again, really good. Yeah. Very cute. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they end up uh, in the next car, which is the ball pit car, which I mean, for all the world, just looks like a gigantic you know, Chuck E. Cheese play place. Uh, it looks really fun, actually, of all the cars that we've seen. I'd really? be like, yeah. I could I could spend some time here. The, the second that they went in there, I was like, yeah, this looks like a bad time. Um, probably <laughs> because we had, it's actually been a little while, but we covered um, the uh, Wiley's Wonderland. And, oh, Wiley's. Wiley's yeah. Oh, sure. And, and the banana splits. Yeah, so anything... Chuck E. Cheese adjacent or weird animatronics like that just oh bad vibes and this looked like that plus it looks dark like dark ball pit <laughs> and, and, and for me it was just like as an adult learning like what a, a like petri dish of disease that like oh shirts sure. and play places were so yeah. i'm just like oh that, like i see the big ball pit and i'm sure like somebody's going like oh man that looks like a lot of fun and i'm like man unless no one's ever touched that no no human being has ever been in that i have absolutely zero interest in that thing and there's a smell there's a smell that's in like the <laughs> well places. yeah i mean you've got you've got the, the the petroleum you've got the 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 petroleum byproduct of 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 the balls and then like whatever like skin cells have sloughed off of thousands of children it's just a bad time when you're an adult it loses its whimsy that's what i'm saying audience is that things like that lose their whimsy and mysticism once you learn about bacterium and diseases i'm saying that i'm rounding up because this reality is you know artificial so i'm just going to choose to believe it's more sterile than normal (laughs) that's fair uh, but being uh, a an orb, a child, and a dog, they're just like, yep, time to jump in the ball pit. Let's take off our socks and have a good time. Yep. Uh, Tulip has a little throwaway line, uh, seemingly acknowledging how much time has passed. She thinks that game design camp has probably already ended. Yes. Yep, and... uh yeah, they they hear a voice coming from the ball pit, uh, and they stumble upon a, a velveteen rabbit named Khaki Bottoms, uh, who's just having a, a real good time. He's looking for a champion to help go on an epic quest to to return a toy in exchange for a prize. This seemed so sinister. Like uh, the entire time, I'm going, this is just <laughs> going to be something horrifying. And like, actually, no, it wasn't. But <laughs> it yeah. felt like it was going to go somewhere weird. See, you're, you guys are too genre savvy, and you're just like, "Oh, something's up," and I, like something and is up, but it's they not khaki bottoms. 
<laughs> Honestly, I was because because like it's it, it I think I didn't lean in that direction only because it was it was so obvious. I was like, no, this just sounds like a guy that like lives completely alone in this weird, you know, admittedly whimsical like play place and probably doesn't have a lot of company and there's nobody it's just him that's gonna suck right and so (laughs) so he's just like looking for something to occupy his time if somebody ever comes through and because because you know it it doesn't even have like the it doesn't even present itself at, with like, oh, it was this, but like the deeper into the quest it goes, the more like dangerous and like l- like amalgam of like sinister like booby traps. It's all very uh, above board and like, uh, oh, you had to solve the you have to solve the password because there's a there's a force field, and he just makes like the force field noise and just presses himself against. <laughs> blocking it like and I'm just like, all right, so this is this is all being played straight. Like there's nothing sinister going on here on his end. Yeah. If it weren't for the arrival of other unrelated sinister forces, like this is just this is just uh exactly the kind of fun, lighthearted car that it appears to be. Yeah. It, but it, um it's it's almost like the it's almost like an interstitial car, like obviously it can't be because it's an episode but this is like one of the framing feels like it it starts off as one of the framing cars yeah yeah but uh as they are doing you know these this light-hearted whimsy um ominous an ominous shadow uh kind of flits throughout the background which is uh you know your your warning that indeed something is not well. So they uh, they complete their quest by going through the three trials, and at the end they claim their prize, which is the toy that they had been delivering anyways. So you know Yahtzee. But uh, as that happened, uh, those kind of snake like robotic tendrils start showing up. Uh, signaling that the steward, uh, the squid-like octopus baby-masked machine gun eyeball robot uh, that we had met before uh, is in this car. And now suddenly this becomes a stealth mission to try to escape without detection. Which was pretty impressive. Those tendril, I guess, and they, they just don't feel stuff. I don't know. They feel like they were stepping on them. They, they did a really good job um, until they didn't. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I feel like Tulip was doing a good job avoiding them, but I'm like, I don't know if Atticus could have. <laughs> He's yeah. really low. He's right there on the ground. It's very stubby. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they, they get, they get a ways. It seems like they're going to make it for a moment until the little, the little toy that they had picked up, uh, slips out of their hands. Uh, and gives away their location, uh, causing the steward to in- instantly like tear apart the the pipes that they're in and start blasting them with machine gun fire, almost almost killing them. Yeah, yeah, I thought that that was messed up. That the toy did that. I mean, it, it didn't do it of its own accord. It just it's slippery. 
uh, pretty messed up toy toy thing. I I, um, I I do love that I knew exactly what kind of toy it was because uh, aside from also uh, selling tumbled uh, uh, stones and weird 3D VHS tapes, they'd also have exactly that same like weird infinite sleeve tube filled with like jelly water and like glitter. Mm-hmm. That and I'm just like, oh man, they're really like pulling. They're pulling a lot of stuff from a place that I used to visit a lot as a kid. Between these episodes, so it was like, oh yeah, no. When it slipped, when she grabbed it, and then it just slipped out, ran. I was like, yep, I know exactly how that goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember there's some like KB toys. They had them at the front desk or the like the checkout counter. Yeah, they were like the. The, we can't get you anything good, so here's your consolation prize. Yeah, I don't know anyone that actually owned one of those, but I just remember them in the store. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember that they were. At, they would also be prizes at like um, yeah, little arcade yeah, like thing. Chuck E. Cheese yeah. or or I used to there. I used to frequent a mini golf course that mm. fashioned itself after a sure. castle. So oh yeah, yeah, like a oh, that's a good time. Golf, golf land. Yeah. Something, something, something along the side, mm-hmm. along the lines of that. Like the the castle was just an arcade, and out back was like three the, different mini yeah. golf courses. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, they are captured uh, at this point, and uh, the cat appears here, and also, you know seemingly is taking orders from uh, the shape that we had seen visit the cat's car previously, this huge hulking kind of robotic shape uh, who reveals themselves as the conductor. So at last we have uh, met the conductor of, of the train. Yeah. It kind of looks like Ed 209, but with a tattered shawl. <laughs> Yes, all robots need a cloak. Uh, Ed 209 is a pretty good point of reference, actually. Like, uh, the head is this large kind of pod thing with yeah. a um, with a, uh, a red waveform line kind of uh, modulating as it speaks. Yeah. Yeah, this one, I... This part made me upset. I think, I think out of every bit that's happened like this was the worst yeah this is this is the darkest hour for sure um but the the steward you know uh chides tulip for escaping and causing trouble you could have just lived happily in your memories from that tape that i gave you uh but instead you chose to make things complicated and now you know the the people around you are getting hurt because of you um the conductor wants one 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 one, you know, runs off into the play place, which the steward then just like mercilessly <laughs> shreds with the machine gun yeah. fire, just demolishes uh, this thing uh, and very convincingly, seemingly kills one one. Uh, Tulip is, of course, extremely upset uh, about this uh, as the conductor says that, you know, this is your fault. This is your this is because of you. Uh, also worth mentioning, this is after 
she sent the cat into the tubes to retrieve one one. So literally just a, a play to 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 get rid of both of them. Pretty callous, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the cat pops up and it's like, hey, I tracked him down. That was our deal. Now I'm going I'm gonna go, right? And conductor's like, no, you got one other thing to do is go bring me one one. Yeah. yeah, the conductor has altered the deal. Pray yes. that it is not altered further. It's been altered further. Um. So yeah. Uh. And then suddenly Atticus, who we thought was out of commission, uh, attacks the conductor. Kind of tears into some of the wires, pulls them out, but uh, is grabbed by the conductor nonetheless. Um, the conductor then takes a strange-looking gun, uh, which is affixed with an orb. Uh, and shoots Atticus with it. Uh, and at first you think that, you know, it's just, oh, you killed this dog. That sucks. Um, they then make, you know, their dramatic exit. Tulip is not okay, goes to comfort her friend when Atticus transforms and is like unmade, turning into one of those hideous cockroach dogs from from the first episode. And is immediately sucking her soul out. Yeah, uh, immediately, you know, withering her. With a weird polyp face, it's terrible. Yeah, uh, again, very upsetting. Uh, these cockroach dogs are no good, don't like them. And yeah, uh, just desperately uh, scrambling, trying to escape. Uh, bumps into 1-1, one, 1-1 one. One, one is still alive, so that's good. Um, and eventually, like gets to a collapsed piece of the the tubes uh which she's able to trap Atticus in um and the episode ends with you know her looking through this like plastic dome as this cockroach dog like desperately tries to to get at her to attack her um and and yeah tulip is is not okay uh at the the close of this episode I don't think anyone's okay at the close of this episode. I was like, I was upset. Yeah. It, it is definitely like the darkest moment. Um, I like the show. I like a lot of aspects of the show. I, I, I don't know if I'm in love with the pacing. Um, Cause it is only 10 episodes and granted there are only 11, 11 minutes each. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so close to the end and for like the lowest point and like then comes the resolve and the resolution. And I, I just wish that it sat a little longer in, in this sadness, this loss, this. Sure. You wish it had like was one episode sooner. Yeah. I, I do wish that it was one episode sooner so that it once again there there could be like and then there's this resolve that tulip has to make in order to like push forward and finish the job yeah yeah if she spent all this time uh and is is just now getting to where she understands like herself um <clears throat> for for to hit, for her to have 
she's she says it later but she specifically says like you know i've never lost a loved one like i don't have that experience right and she has a moment to like gain that but the show doesn't give it to her really yeah and she's a little kid so like and no, and, I and guess, it's also but... for, and it's also for little kids like once again it, it, yeah i i'm <laughs> always trying to i'm always trying to balance my critique of stuff of of media like this through the lens of like yeah okay i've been alive for almost half a century and i've seen a, and i've watched a lot of media in that time so like it's very hard to surprise me and so i have to frame it like through the overton window of like yeah this is probably like someone's first dramatic turn of like and then the character died um and and so i always try not to i don't want to be abrasive about that about how i feel about that when someone else can take it entirely differently because they just don't have the you know the level of of media literacy that i do yeah um it's also, I think that the show like gets more confident as it goes on. In in season three, there's kind of a a similar like big moment of loss, and they they do really sit on that uh, a lot more in in that one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, it's it's I th- I think that this season does feel like slightly less polished than than seasons two and three, but. Uh, but I think it still is pretty successful. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Don't get me wrong. Once again, I never want it. I never want like, like to come off as if I'm saying this is bad because it's not. It's just, um, sure. it's it's a it's 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 a thing that isn't made for my demographic. And I, but I also want to be honest in like how I evaluate it. So, yeah. Uh, I, uh, conversely, like, I don't want to seem defensive. Like, I just, uh, I have more context with this show and I'm trying to share that without, uh, tipping my hand too much just in case it is something that, uh, you want to watch more of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- I think that the, it's making sure that we put things into context. So when we're watching particularly like older media and going, okay, here's what was going on in the world at that time. Like, this is why like a a particular thing is relevant or X came before X, Y, Z. This is a more recent show. And yeah, it's the demographic for this is like preteen teenager, like younger audience twins um, yeah that i don't i didn't want to use that word um <laughs> well that's why you have me around because i have no shame in using it i'll just say it <laughs> i won't dance around the fact it's made for tweens and that's okay that's totally yeah yeah cool. there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that in fact that's what you we want more um critical media something that can do more than just be entertaining like this is a thoughtful series absolutely yeah and acknowledging that is i mean it's not you don't have to it's like it's on it's it's wearing it on its sleeve you're watching this and you go okay yeah this is def it's hitting specific paces 
it's doing its fair share of lifting. There's a lot going on. It's dealing with heavy subject matter that uh, usually isn't part of this like demographic TV show. Uh, and I think that that's the notable bit about it, aside from like the fun animation and telling a story in like these like bite-sized segments, but still having not a, um, it's not just episodic. It's, it's one story. Yeah. And that's something that we got with um, like over the garden wall. Like it's, it's shorter bits, Mm -hmm. but it's one story that just has like little mini adventures that all lead to one thing. Yeah. And so Um, this, this feels like that it's, it's in that same wheelhouse. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Uh, we ready to move on to the next episode. Yeah. Let's get to the next one. All right. Uh, at that point we move on to episode nine the past car, which this is where they stop doing the, um, the cold open instead of getting a fun little goof at the beginning. Uh, this episode opens exactly where we left off with them devastated looking at you know their friend having been turned into a monster and tulip despite you know carrying you know a lot of guilt about this wanting to help you know uh says that he's not atticus anymore and they have to move on so um and at this her number starts to climb again um and then the cat, who has also survived, uh, though tangled under the rubble, uh, you know, kind of counters with fatalism doesn't suit you. But, uh, yeah, the, the cat is trapped uh, and is asking for help. Once again, trying to strike a bargain, trying to work an angle. And Tulip just bypasses that and says, nope, here's the bargain. I release you for nothing and you leave me alone and never talk to me again. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like that. I like that the cat is still trying to wheedle. Like, yep. that's all the cat knows. Just everything has to be a transaction. Like, you don't get things for free. Um, yes. If you want something, you have to be willing to pay up something of equal value or more or less if you can get away with it. AKA the donut holder. Yeah. Uh the cat like textually sees the world transactionally. Yep. Which is uh it's it's a fun thing because that's you you know immediately how to read the cat. Uh, but it also adds a little bit more nuance to the character when things aren't going that way. And mm. that like what we will see starts to like bother the cat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the cat says that, you know, Atticus can be helped after all. Uh, but Tulip, of course, just reacts with anger, does not trust her, uh, does not have patience to, to have her cha- chain yanked again. Um, but the cat is insistent that like, this is true. This is not a, this is not a ruse. I have another tape. This one won't trap you because it's not your tape. Uh, but I'm going to play it, and this is going to be kind of the key to to what you're looking for. And so 
the cat finds a, a TV, puts the tape in. Uh, the static appears once again. And uh, part of the condition is that the cat goes in first, which the cat does dutifully. The cat, uh, you know, is kind of pulled into the tape, is in that trance. Uh, so Tulip follows. And Tulip and the cat are now once again in kind of the static, you know, dream world, kind of. Uh, and then one one shows up as well because apparently that can happen. <laughs> one was like, "I just, I'm just here." Yep. I, I don't even know. Just showed up. It's it's great. Yeah. Um, the cat reveals that her motivation for working with the conductor was simple. Uh, just wanted to be left alone. Uh, you know, the, the, the bargain that was struck with the conductor was one simply of, you know, I, I don't want to get further tangled into this than I need to. Um, though obviously it, uh, got out of her control, which one, one finds hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Like (laughs) stop and drop and roll on the floor laughing. Yeah. As doubled over with laughter as an orb can be. Yes. With with laughter that goes on too long, and everyone they, they just stop and stare at him, and just what? That was maybe too much. One one. <laughs> yeah. Um. And so now we start seeing the memories of the person who's on this tape. Um, we seem to be in a British school, you know, a a boarding school, uh, perhaps, or some other kind of primary school. They're all wearing like those distinctive uniforms. So, um, but we see these two young, uh, school children. We have Amelia and we have Oren, uh, and they seem to be close friends, uh, as children. And then quickly we skip through, uh, a series of memories with them at graduation. Uh, and then with them as young adults, and we can see that they're smart, tech savvy, and clearly in love with each other. Yeah, it's great because it's set, um, it's like through the 70s into the 80s, like early, and Uh, um, it's, it's going through a bit of the um actual tech side of it because they're involved in the engineering <clears throat> yeah we see uh amelia do the the cool real world hacking trick with old pay phones where if you play a, a a note at a very specific pitch you can direct the phone line yep that's a real thing which is yep. like wild mm-hmm. yeah i remember you could used to be able to um buy like the little kits that would let you Mm. do that yeah uh and then we see them uh seemingly living together uh and Oren is playing what appears to be like uh an old atari uh probably you know cutting edge at the time and uh he has a voice modulator of some kind which is recognizable uh and tulip is just like that's the conductor so so this tape is belongs to the conductor yeah. Um, it's it's fun because for most of the tape, it's ambiguous as to whose memories they're in. 
Yes. Because yeah, they're, always, perspective. they're always together. Yeah. Um, uh, in that same memory, Amelia proposes. Uh, it's very sweet. Um, and then the next time that we fast forward, um, you know, it is rainy. People are in mourning clothes. And we see one of them, you know, curled up. Uh, clearly, there has been a death. And now we uh, are moving a little faster. Uh, we see that the person who has survived is Amelia, and we get to see her getting onto the train. And throughout this whole sequence, we are seeing familiar little bits of iconography. So Amelia has like a little handkerchief and it's covered in turtles and we see them at a university. And these are like little uh, clues that are going to be picked up uh, in a moment. Yeah. She, she, uh, the conductor did use the handkerchief to wipe away um, Tulip's tears in a, like a horrible fashion when she's mm-hmm. entangled. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's at this point that the cat reveals a couple of things. One, uh, that the conductor, who we have met, is not the first conductor. They are the current conductor. And then also that the train seemingly has these, uh, you know, reality-altering guns, whatever what Atticus was shot with. Um, but it's just a machine. It's just a thing that you can take and modify and make it do what you want. This is the tool, you know, if she can get her hands on one of those tools, then she can turn Atticus back into himself. Yeah, it, it it's something that operates using the orbs that they're ubiquitous throughout the train. Yeah. Um Tulip is uh, annoyed with the cat that she didn't just tell her that. And then she's just like, well, well, yeah, like I had to have a little dramatic flair. Showmanship. (laughs) Yeah. Like, what do you mean? I could have not done that, Uh, which is, uh, you know, uh, again, kind of a thesis statement for the cat character. I, 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 I like the aftermath of that. Uh, a lot which is well now you which is tulip essentially saying well now you've inspired empathy to for for the conductor amelia and her plight and i don't want to feel bad for her because she's done horrible things so like you've just made the situation more complicated than than i want it to be not even than it needs to be, but more complicated than I want it to be. I didn't want this context, which is yeah, emotionally stunted, but very appropriate for for a a person of of her age. Like I I didn't want it to be any more difficult than it already was, and you made it so. Yeah, I, mean, I wish a, that she was just a villain. Like, reaction, <laughs> like yeah, I didn't. I'm supposed to fight or whatever deal with this entity and then you've you've humanized it more more than i needed because i still have to be able to do the thing um and i i love that the cat counters with like well you also have like that that's this is your like weapon like you have blackmail stuff now 
<laughs> right. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, Tulip is like, I, I, I want this to be simple, but now it's complicated. She's just another person. She's a person who's in pain, who's just scared of things changing, just like me. And that epiphany drops her number to zero. And with that, uh, the portal opens. Uh, a door appears out of thin air, and we see her home through it. And the the camera zooms out, showing this kind of giant storm tornado tunnel uh, mm. attached to the side of the car, which it's we had seen before. <laughs> yeah, so early in the season, when Tulip saw, you know, th- this someone seemingly like being vaporized. Um, that was another passenger on the train uh, making their way home. So, you know, it, it was framed as being very scary. It looked very scary, but this is, this is a good thing. This is what she wants. Um, but she can't leave right now, you know, not with the knowledge that she could help Atticus. Um, and she says, you know, if the conductor is just a person and the train is just a machine, what's to stop me from doing what she did? Again, kind of echoing what she said early in the season where, like, everything has rules. Even crazy places have rules. And if we can figure it out, then we can use it to our advantage. Yes, and good thing I went, I was going to go to programming camp. Yep. Um. Yeah, so that with that, um, you know, she looks around at the tools at her disposal. They have the the cat's orb. Uh, they have a severed arm of the steward, which acts as a key to that strange lock that we had seen before. Um, and basically, she's able to jury wake a way to interface with the train car itself uh, and drive the the whole damn train car up and across the top of the train speeding towards the engine itself. And that uh, is going to bring us to our climax, episode 10, The Engine. Yeah, I liked the repurposing of, or not really repurposing, but like uh, restructuring of the cat's orb to like use that as the control mechanism to drive the whole car. That's, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. Using it like as a proxy steering wheel to yeah. drive the entire train car itself. You just like extended the, the orb ability. Right. To just travel from car to car over the the roof of the train. Yeah, mm-hmm. or just to like hijack any car and scoot it wherever you want it. Yep. Yeah. So this is how they can, you know bypass the the rigged game which is trying to to make their way to the front of the train which is what they thought was their goal when in reality the way to get off is to drop your number to zero um so kind of you know fulfilling their old quest term uh but under different circumstances instead of trying to get off the train they're trying to to get to where they need to go in order to save their friend now yeah I wonder if um, when you're leaving the train and it, we, we clearly have seen that you get vaporized like and reassembled on the other side of the door, like 
did that kill the you that was on the train? So technically one, <laughs> one was correct the whole time. Sure. The, uh, that's the star Trek teleporter yep. conundrum. Yeah. He's like, no, that will kill you. Yeah. That just kills the you that was on the infinity train. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, uh, you know, it just creates a, a second tulip on the train and the, the original <laughs> tulip, tulip just <laughs> oh, that too would many suck. tulips. That would suck if it, it, it just copied you back to where you were, but then your other you is still on the train. Like, oh, that didn't work, did it? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, there's hey, there's a there's a there's an entire game about that premise. It's called Soma. <laughs> Uh, or the swapper, or oh um, yeah, the swapper, uh, yeah. moon, or moon, yeah, yeah. We got a lot of got a lot of lot of uh, existential nightmare feel out of hey, what happens if there's more than one of me around at any given time? Um, it's bad. That's not true. I bet. Yeah, I'd be fine. No, there's not enough space in my apartment to. <laughs> now you multiplied yourself. That's I'm, I'm just di- thinking about the logistics of like there actually being a fully functional another one of me, and I'm like, yeah, no, you you've got to go. I'm going out for some lye and uh, blue barrel because I don't have because I don't <laughs> have. You just keep one in the basement. I because I, I don't have. Listen, I don't have. I don't have Nikola's Tesla's magical prestige water <laughs> murder machine. So. Gotta do what got yeah, the John Goodman way. <laughs> yep. I think we can all agree that the 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 ethical problem at the heart of like uh creating consciousness in life and whether or not you can actually do that responsibly is whether or not I have enough room in my apartment and it's just too small. That's the real problem that we're trying to listen. That's legit. Look, it'd be crueler if I kicked my clone out on the streets <laughs> thank you very much hey is the other me out there making money <laughs> oh, <laughs> real questions Ooh, well then you know what if i could get if i did send him out to get another job we could just get a better apartment so i guess yeah. you kind of fine okay you 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 figured me out dave i just wanted to kill my double so thanks thanks for ruining that back to we the already show covered, we already covered doppelganger we saw what happened there yeah that's true back to the show everyone yeah. <laughs> all right where are we at we're on our way to the final countdown car mm-hmm. yeah so we are speeding along the top towards the engine uh we we arrive there and we see that there are more train cars being built uh the infinity train is never finished and always is building new cars yeah and um tulip is just taking points in strength she's she's dragging that part of pipe oh yeah with a cockroach dog in it yeah just like running that's something where i just have to you know hand wave you know the the physics of what's happening because i have no idea how she's able to to move She, she picked up chrome double like by its ankles and it probably weighs more than she does that's She's just really strong. She's extremely strong, is what we're trying to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's been she's been doing a lot of working out on this months long trek through unknown cars. 
She took the the pack mule perk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so they yeah. they they're heading toward it and um it's just a real I don't know, I, I liked this segment. It felt um there's no fight scene on here, but at this point, but it feels like Indiana Jones on top of the train. Oh, yeah, like yeah. that vibe. Yeah, it, it is adventuresome. Yeah. I think there's some just, I think it's some a jaunty tune or something. Not jaunty, but there's like an advent, some kind of kicking music or something happening. Because they're, they're definitely, it's not montaging, but it feels like it could. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is where uh, the cat leaves. The cat, you know, feels like she has fulfilled her end of the bargain. Um, and they part on good terms, you know, as as good of terms as you can part with, you know, this charlatan cat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she uh, takes Atticus with her, uh, and they start making their way through this unfinished car. So the the geography of the scene is like... There's the the engine, and then kind of jutting up at a 45-degree angle is this unfinished car that's kind of being constructed and then ejected up and out of the top of it. And they have to travel through that unfinished car in order to get to the engine. And so they're, they're traveling through um, what seems to be a, a, a repeat of the unfinished car. Uh, the, the episode, The Unfinished Car. Um, again, with kind of the floating university, uh, there are turtle motifs happening around. So, uh, very reminiscent of what we had seen before. And they're kind of sliding their way down and, and you know, navigating in that way to get to the front of the car. Fortunately, um, this was unexpected, and so they're able to catch the conductor by surprise. The conductor is kind of at, you know, a uh, a terminal of some kind um, and is surprised by their arrival. And then Tulip is able to ambush her with her tape, the tape that the cat gave her. And because if you look at your own tape, you get kind of sucked into your own memories. Uh, this is able to temporarily put the conductor out of business, um, giving her time to to search for the orb gun. Yeah, not too much time though, because the conductor made a fail safe where if her consciousness goes offline, the steward wakes up. Or maybe that's just a if the conductor's in peril, the steward is just programmed yeah. to assist. Some some kind of distress signal is sent yeah. and the, the steward makes a beeline to destroy the TV to to snap her out of it. Uh but yeah, so so Tulip is able to, in pretty short order, find the orb gun, but what it's missing is the other half of the equation. She needs a corgi orb in order to, to turn Atticus back. Yep, he's stuck as a bug until you get the corb. Yep, gotta get that corb. Um... In this time, though, you know, while she's trying to, to find a solution, the conductor goes back to the terminal uh, and banishes the car that they came on, which included the Tulip's portal home, seemingly removing the possibility of Tulip ever going home with it. Yeah, she she tells her straight up, like, 
Now you'll never good luck finding that car because it's at the end of the infinity train and there's no end. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so at this point, um, the the tube that was containing uh the monster Atticus, the cockroach dog, uh, kind of cracks open and starts you know fighting anything that's nearby. In this case, the steward which is fortunate it buys them a little bit of time but you know you also don't want that cockroach dog to die because then all of this is for nothing right so I at this point they had wings so it was really disturbing when it's like doing a little <laughs> weird buzzy flying around yeah uh again very uh unsettling design so at this point uh tulip is trying to go into the unfinished car to find a corgi orb, uh, while one one has become entranced with the the central terminal of uh, the train itself. Uh, Tulip is going up through the unfinished car, uh, and Amelia is pursuing again in kind of this heavy, um, kind of mech suit. It's not a huge mech, but like you know, it's like the the power loader from Alien, you know, yeah, kind of in scale. It's... I love that it's asymmetrical, like it's just cobbled together. Yeah. It's got like yeah. one weird peg leg and one bigger leg. Yeah. And um and as they're going through, you know, it becomes apparent that the unfinished car is and and the unfinished cars, because there are are multiple of them, who knows how many of them are on the train at this point, but it's Amelia attempting over and over to kind of recreate her old life. Because all she wants to do is she wants to create a facsimile of her dead husband so that she can have her sense of normalcy back. And uh, this is kind of the fundamental dichotomy between them, um, is that Tulip can accept the hard truth and Amelia can't, you know, Amelia is stuck in the past and is desperate to, to hold on to, to this thing that's long since gone. Well, she ran away from acknowledging the death of her husband in the first place and like just never stopped running. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so I, I think I've mentioned this before, but I think that, you can definitely draw some parallels between this and like, this is a, a science fiction version of silent Hill. And Mm, she is like very deliberately like trying to do that. She's trying to create like this purgatory for herself where she can be trapped in a, a comfortable and familiar memory. Um, while Tulip is trying to, you know, move forward yeah uh, it's not even a memory she's trying to make herself uh, a heaven where she has the purgatory she could sit there and get stuck in her own i mean she has like the weird memory trap tapes that she's refusing to use because that's she understands that that's like a um a facsimile like it's a created thing like it's a yeah it's a rose colored glasses version if if you're the one that's watching it, I think. Yeah. It's oh uh Silent Hill isn't maybe the best comparison. WandaVision is like the comparison, I think. You know, mm. trying to create this reality uh that just can't be. 
Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, I I love that it's showing all of like the anguish that she's dealing with because she's lashing out. Amelia is, and um, they're having like sort of discussion a little bit back and forth, mm-hmm. and there it's all salient points from both parties like when they're when they're talking to each other or they're not really talking but when they're yelling at each other um amelia you you understand like what she's going through and the whole point is for tulip to like get that too yeah and they are they are debating the merits of the philosophical stakes that they are dealing with yeah and for amelia to be able to come to terms with what happened and try to start moving forward. But her moving forward is like from really far back. Yeah. 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 Because she's, she's done admittedly terrible things since she, she took over the, she, she failed to acknowledge the change in her life, much like Tulip at the beginning of the the season. Uh, But she didn't get better. She just, proceeded to get worse and then seized power of the infinity train in order to facilitate this impossible dream that she she wanted to yeah and has been doing for like 20 something years right yeah uh and so at this point one one uh at last discovers his mother which was the train all along for one one was the true conductor uh, who was usurped by Amelia and then, you know, tossed to the wind. And with him back in power, that is what shifts the balance. Um, Tulip is able to uh, obtain a Corgi orb, uh, is able to make the shot and turn Atticus back into uh, his lovable self. Uh, And Atticus uh is able to uh take out the steward taking that one off the the table as well and then as the unfinished car is kind of ejected by the train uh being controlled by by one one um amelia's robot suit is kind of crushed and she is uh ejected from it uh meaning that she's lost her suit she's lost her the steward her her right hand man and has lost control of the train uh so our heroes save the day i didn't expect that when one one got back into the conductor position that he would retain his one oneness like i i thought there would be mm-hmm. some uh, something would happen and yeah that may be further down the line, but in this particular instance, it's just one one, but with like way more power. Yeah, now he's like an omniscient dipshit. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he's, he's a goober. Yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, we're we're winding down now, and. You know, there's a joyful reunion with Atticus and uh, the 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 team. Uh, Amelia is distraught. You know, she's lost everything that she was fighting for. Although is also, you know, 
acknowledging that it was impossible. It was an impossible dream and would never have happened anyways. Um, and, you know, is basically told that, you know, hey, you need to find some way to repent for this. You need to find some way to to fix this, to make it right. And that's when Amelia says, you know, I've got a long way to go and reveals that she has a number, but not just a number on her palm. The number snakes all the way up her arm and all the way around her neck. Uh, yeah, so she's got she's got a long way to go. <laughs> Um, one thing I I just wanna I want to say before before we move on, which is uh, as disturbing as Atticus becoming the weird cockroach dog is, I'm absolutely not okay with. And then he explodes out of the body of of it. <laughs> um, yes. Like that's infinitely more disturbing to me than the transformation into it. Oh, I loved that part. I I, I read that as um, an analog to the um, uh, oh, the devil dogs, human dogs, the Ghostbusters. Um, oh, dogs. Oh, sure. Where uh, Dana and Tully. Like, yeah, break have to have to be broken out of them. Yeah, with that context, yeah, I, no, I, I felt it's like that. They just didn't animate it that way. Yeah, um, but yeah, that, now that you've you've referenced that, I'm like, yeah, that actually is pretty accurate to what they were going for. <laughs> I think so, and it's more um, because it, on, before we knew what that gun was. I didn't think that the gun turned Atticus into the cockroach thing. I thought that when he killed him, he just reverted to like the weird outside the train. That's just what everything's made of. Mm -hmm. And they just turned him into, you know, other things. Whereas this looks like, no, there was probably a weird cockroach orb that turned him into that. Right. I'm, I'm kind of with you where I think that, uh like maybe cockroach dog is the default state of of these things uh i'm i'm not entirely certain and it is a uh, a kind of frightening existential question uh in this universe yeah i mean we don't know particularly in this season like what is it, what's the train going through and this mm-hmm. weird terrible hellscape is like is that just the, the, the obviously those things are native to whatever that area is they came out of the mud and stuff yeah and it's like well the, the the train's moving through and it needs something to oh, some organic matter to convert into its the things in its little cars yeah. it's like oh now i'm thinking oh no all the turtles and all the corgis are just those infinite amount of infestation of cockroach soul sucking things that just don't know what they don't know what they are yeah uh and so on that (laughs) existential horror we'll uh (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll get our happy ending so um one one with the power of the train uh is simply able to summon the portal 
you know, uh, Tulip has the number zero on her hand, and that is the key. And so uh, bringing up a new door is trivial, which means that it's time for Tulip to go, which means that it's time for goodbyes, which she wasn't ready for and is hard. So, you know, there's a, you know, it's it's very sweet her saying goodbye to one one and uh, particularly Atticus, who you know, is obviously grateful to the the great lengths that she went through. And, um, she, she honestly gets less time with them than Dorothy does at the end of the wizard (laughs) of Oz. And it's so, it's so bizarre. Like, it feels like, okay, I just have to rip the bandaid off, like from her perspective, but like from Mm -hmm. the logistics that the show has just presented to us, like she could leave whenever she wants it only matters that she's at zero so she could have like stayed and like had her moment of like goodbye i'll miss you most most uh talking corgi and you odd orb uh but it, it really is like and then i'm gone i'm so sad i'm so i'm leaving i'm walking out the door but i'm telling you how sad i am to be leaving you as i'm slamming the door behind me the the real villain is the eleven minute runtime. Yeah, that's yeah. True. I could have used an 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 additional sixty seconds of goodbye. Yeah, yeah. Just something versus like, well, yes, she's going back home after having been a either missing for months on end, since we know mm-hmm. time's still passing for her, mm-hmm. or is she? back at the point where she left but just older i am choosing to go with she is back at the point that she left but just she is older because otherwise the ending of the show <laughs> the the last few seconds of the show seems very illogical to me yeah, so to 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 get to those, um, first of all, she uh, also says goodbye to Amelia. Uh, her parting words are, "I hope that you get your exit someday." Um, and then she steps through the portal, and then now we have a a brief little montage of Tulip back at home, and she's being taken to camp, presumably programming camp. Is this the same trip? It says seven months. It does say seven months later. Oh, okay. I had missed that. Some somehow on this watch. Right, that makes more sense. Um. So yeah, so she she gets home. Well, if that's the case, then we know how many months she was gone. Right. So that means that she was gone for what five months? Yeah. mystery solved well i'm once again i'm just going with if that's the case then if i were her parents then she would never leave the house again if my child (laughs) went missing for five months which is why i choose to believe that the only way this ending makes any sense is that she returns like right at the time that she got on the train and then just ran back home because her parents didn't know that she left no and she didn't get that far right 
So like that's like that's how I choose to accept this, which is she she came back at the point that she left, but she personally is older because otherwise, no, you're never you're not going anywhere ever again for the rest of your life, child who disappeared for five months. Yeah, I mean it, they're extremely nonchalant uh, about it, but you know it was seven months ago. You know you get over it, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't think so, but yeah. Uh, but uh, regardless, we can see that she has found uh, a new sense of normalcy. You know, her parents still aren't together, but it's okay. You know, they're they're figuring things out. Their dad is taking her to camp. He's keeping his promise. Um, she makes her way past a mirror and we see that she no longer has a reflection so that has carried oh, right. through at yeah. least yeah which is like that seems like it would be a large issue yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. for like for well, multiple I mean, reasons yeah but now her vampire halloween costume is impeccable it is but uh, on the same note she can have to always have someone do her hair yeah, she, 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 yeah, she'll never know what she looks like ever again in any situation. Yeah, dislike. As somebody who personally doesn't actually like engaging with mirrors all that much, the fact that I could never engage with a mirror again is not pleasant, actually. Yeah. Maybe yeah, she you just gotta take... set up a webcam. Yeah, because it's, it's reflections only, so I, I would assume like pictures would still work. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Has vampire meta tackled if you can see a vampire in a webcam? I I don't know. You gotta I be know they've been messing I, with like um uh, because it's not a reflection, like video recording stuff still works. Mm-hmm. I, I bet dr- the the hit film Dracula two thousand would probably answer that oh, question. That's how you answer did it. it? I does that's a does bad it, movie. Of course, it's a bad. <laughs> I like that's the, the cast. Why I'm, that's the reason Wait. why I'm referencing it. <laughs> Are you going to tell me Jason X is bad now? Come on. No, Jason X was great because that movie kicks ass. I'm just, I'm not going to say anything because because uh, you people have bad taste and I don't want to offend you. Um, uh, but I think he ro- walks into like a Virgin Records and there's like security cam footage of wasn't it Gerard Butler? It's Gerard Butler, Dr- yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> as Dracula. So I think, yes, you can in fact capture a Dracula on a, a video recording. Good to know. And I'm glad that we finally got to the bottom of that after two episodes. That was what this whole journey was about. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, the the show ends with Tulip, you know, things are different, but they're okay. And she declares that she's ready for anything. And, uh, and then we get credits. That's season one of Infinity Train. Yeah, I really I I enjoyed this. Um I like that it did it dealt in, like with with more emotions and more maturity and growing up, but still not saying it's it's not saying like you can't be a kid. Yeah. I don't feel like that's not the message. So it's more just like 
try to be true to yourself and not be a jerk. Like help people out and make sure you're getting the help you need to. Yeah, but but also just like, you know, learn the process and the work of self-reflection and self-improvement and Yeah, you can't run away from your problems. You have to, you know, address things. There's a lot of complicated stuff. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, each of the characters kind of deals with something. Mm -hmm. Except for, like, maybe Atticus. Yeah. I don't know that he learned anything. Yeah, he's kind of stable. He's already a good boy. He doesn't need to learn anything else. Atticus is noble but good in a way that. Uh, uh, I'll allow. He did learn that you can use bobby pins to keep your crown in place. Oh yeah, he did learn that <laughs> the the turtle king did in fact teach him that. Uh, even does, though does I don't hair. I mean, how is I it? was I was about <laughs> that. That was exactly the thing that I was about to say <laughs> upon reflecting about that, which is just like once again, I'm not not gonna do it. Just gonna accept it as <laughs> is. Like otherwise, it's just bad news. Like it makes sense for Atticus does not make sense for a tortoise. Yeah. Uh So yeah, I think I think my roundup thought is that like this is a season of a show where like I can recognize some flaws and some things that like I might change or might want to adjust the pacing. Um but overall the show does enough things that I like that I'm just I'm pretty willing to round up. And uh, end up coming away liking this quite a bit. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing offensive about it. Once again, like like I mentioned earlier, it's always a, a bizarre balancing act for um, you know covering media because covering media that that isn't you know uh, produced for my is obviously not produced for my demographic and yeah agreeing with you on like some pacing issues like conceptually everything about the show is fine a lot i'm i'm a fan of a lot of the execution of it Uh, once again i think it it just uh you know there are time constraints. There were probably, there may have been budget constraints. There's a whole host of things, but as a complete season that of a short format show that tells a story, which is a, you know, a category of, 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 of um, media now uh, it, it does exactly what it sets out to do. And I think it hits all the points that it tries to hit very very well it's about growing up and coming to terms with changes in your life and not having the ability to run or hide from it like once again we spoke we spoke about like the the themes of it and it does it hits all of those themes and it's uh, it's it does it in a way that is appropriate for the audience that this show is made for mm-hmm. Yeah, this was this was this was a lot of fun. Thanks for uh, bringing this one on board, Adam. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that that's our our wrap up with this. We we pulled two hours out of <laughs> four ten minute uh, segments. Five. I was, five. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's speed through these ones. We don't have to to you know do the introduction. This one should go faster.
Nope. No. Well, I mean, because the back end of this just was like it's getting into the weeds on what her growth is. Like, mm. like you know, her, the lessons she's learned and the friends she's made along the way. Yeah. Um, it's good. Uh, yeah. So we'll do the admin wrap up and kind of call this one. Leonard, where can folks find you on the interwebs? Yes, people can find me mainly on Twitter by searching at Dr. Faust is dead. You can also find my secondary business Twitter account by searching at Umbra Knox Productions. And if you want to watch video stuff that I've made in the past, you can search YouTube for Umbra Knox Productions and Dr. Faust is dead. Adam, where, where can people find you on the Internet? People can find me on Twitter at Adam Bucheri, spelled like my name. And I also make tabletop games. If you want to check out my itch.io page, you can find that at Bucheri, that's boo like ghost, cherry like fruit, dot itch.io. All right. You can find myself on Twitter at sentinot underscore plus, and you can find Cameron, who shall be back next week, uh, on Twitter at night underscore twitten, and that's night without K. Uh, the podcast itself, uh, if you want to listen to more back episodes is at monsterdeer.monster. So we will be back next week with Doro Heiduro. Um Yeah. Have a good one folks. And we will chat at you next time. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Monster Deer Monster is brought to you by Fireheart Media. If you enjoyed the show, please share this and all of our episodes with friends. And remember to rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Word of mouth is the only way we grow. If you like, you can also kick us a few bucks to help us keep the lights on at ko-fi.com slash fireheartmedia. Check out our other show, Jalachan's Place, at www.jalachan.place.